So, should we get straight into it? Let's do it. Let's do a run-in. No messing around. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know? Uh, pardon? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't Let's know. shatter some glass. Uh, uh, hang, uh, do, do you smell what World 1 Stage 1 is cooking? Yes. Know your role, Jack. Oh. Although, the funny host. this is the third month, 2016, so we are actually in the month of 316. Oh, yeah. So that's quite cool. That's, that's hey. nice. Nice. Oh, yeah. oh hey, yeah. you know what? There's our reasoning. That's good. Well done. <laughs> um, sweet. Have we, have we started yet? And that's the bottom line. No, we, we haven't start started yet. Forward. We're about to. Oh, oh wait, okay. Let's start. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> well, at the moment, there's a cat meowing at me. <laughs> The cat is saying, do it. Cat, stop play. And also I'm stroking the cat. So. Ah, you so kitty. You try to cat talk through the microphone. It'll work. The cat can't hear you guys. <laughs> but I can. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> so what we got from that was that Jack was doing to Simon. Who's a good little boy who wants a tummy rub? Hello and welcome to World 1 Stage 1. I'm Simon, and joining me as ever are Irish. Hello. Rob. Hi. And Jack. And might I say, sir, your new microphone is giving us crisp, rich, Irishy goodness. I sound sexy like... Goddamn yes. Oh yeah. Finally, after... As I turn to look at my watch... Seven years? Seven hours. Look at your watch to work out how many years it We all do it. We, all of us who wear a watch anyway, we'll always like to go to, we will always look at our watch no matter what. I just look at the sun, but that is, I've been advised not to. Like, how many years has it been? You look at your watch. Seven. Or, you know, how are you feeling today? You look at your watch. Good. Yeah. Watches have many, you know, informative applications. It's true. So, We're yeah. not doing this again. Nope. <laughs> doing what? Sorry? Just going yeah. way off topic and talking about complete random bullshit. Oh. Anyway, yes, there was something I wanted to talk about. <gasps> Sweet. And that is, it was recently announced that uh, Star Trek Beyond Oh yeah. Which, as you know, is due out relatively soon in terms of movies. Mm-hmm. So that's July this year. Okay. Has, has just started reshoots. What? Uh, and, really? and added to the cast. Oh. Uh, what? Huh. Uh, yeah, they've added, and I, can, I cannot pronounce her name, but she's relevant to the show. Uh, okay. I'm going to give this a go. Shora Agdashlu. Is, okay. that, okay. is, that, is that the actress's name? That's the, the actress's name. name. 
That okay. Is, she is an Iranian <laughs> actress who many listeners and hosts of this show uh, will at least recognize the voice of as Admiral Shalaran Vostonbe from Mass Effect. Oh, huh. You may also know her from 24. Uh, you may also know her from, if, if you followed my advice from earlier episodes, you'll know her as Christian Avasarala from The Expanse. Do we uh, know who she is in 24? Just for me to get, because I, I watched some 24 once. Uh, I don't off the top of my head. Uh, Dinah Araz. D- oh, di- okay. I know who you're talking about. Okay, sweet. Simon, I'm confused. She's in Star Trek Beyond, right? Yes. But she's not white. That is true. I'm confused. Not everyone in Star Trek Beyond is white. That wasn't going to be the case anyway, though. A horror. This is... You know what's really great is when you explain jokes, it makes them super funny. I didn't know it was a joke. Yeah, it wasn't very funny to Also, Idris Elba is in this one. Yeah. I know. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So let's explain this joke some more, because John Cho's in there as well. This is, this is, is this still a... I'm still just sore about, uh, the, Into Darkness. That's all I'm saying. I'm still sore. Ben Diddle Cumberbund. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cumberbund. Yeah, Bendy Dick Cabbage Patch has, has, yeah. Other Star Trek news, though, that I heard, and I'm afraid I don't actually know the guy's name, but a big, um, uh, apparently really good Star Trek writer from other Star Trek series has been brought on to work on the new CBS on-demand Star Trek season. Um, I heard something about this. I cannot remember who it was. Uh, let me just look <laughs> this up. Well, I'll fill time. It was, um, it, yeah, it was basically announced, and um, it's made quite a lot of people, apparently, um, you know, I'm not like a huge Star Trek fan, but I mean, I appreciate it, but apparently a lot of people are happy with this certain writer. Uh, who oh, okay, is- now I've looked it up. Um, I- it's making me quite happy. Yeah, go on. It's Nicholas Meyer, uh, perhaps best known for writing The Wrath of Khan. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> like, oh. uh, yeah, there you well, go. That'll do it. <laughs> guess, you know? Just that little old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you that's, go. Um, he's he's involved now. Huh. There you go. Yeah, so they brought him on board. That's something. There's hope. There's hope in the distance for Star Trek. It seems. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, but Jack can't see it. I don't think he's written for Star Trek TV at all, but he did write um, Wrath of Khan. He did write Voyage Home as well, and Undiscovered oh. Country. That is, other than First Contact, those are literally the best Star Trek books. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, did I say First Contact? No, other than First Contact. Okay. Oh, right, you're saying First Contact is better. <laughs> well, or, or in the list. It's in the top four. Yes. Man, in, we should do a Star Trek episode. <coughs> that would never end. If, if we were to do a Star Trek episode, I have a feeling it would be a whole new series of just shows about Star Trek. Also, oh, we, we did Star Star there Trek are podcasts games. that do that already. Yeah, why aren't there any podcasts on the Simply Syndicated Network about Star Trek? Wait a minute. <laughs> Actually, are they making Make It So at the moment? Because I know Starbase 66 has stopped. Oh no! So, uh, there, there might be room for one. Jab in the market, yeah. go! <laughs> go, 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 go! But anyway, yeah, that's, that's a new bit of news. Exciting. So, that is yeah. good news. Thank yeah, you. I saw that they'd brought on someone, but I hadn't bothered to look into it, and now I have. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. That's good news. 
So a lot of people are excited about that. Yeah. It certainly I, gives me, I mean, between Nicholas Meyer and Brian Fuller, it's the creative team is stacking up well. Yeah. But still, pilot episode shown primetime CBS, then the rest is their on-demand service. A lot of shows that go on-demand are good. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just we're saying We're fans that- of Jessica Jones. We're fans of Daredevil. We're fans of House of Cards. And this is, a, this is an interesting hybrid approach, which is going to net, potentially net people who aren't necessarily sold on the idea of... Yeah, of on demand. It's a leave through the gift shop kind of deal. Yeah, you see the first one and you're like, oh, okay, and then you. It's the first one's free, literally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I'm just. It's I'm a just, good idea. It is. I'm just still so worried. So I'm worried. a little bit less worried than I was. Yeah, yeah but still. I mean, I thought that's at least it's positive. That that's great. It's um. I love Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan's great. Uh, you can I you love can sit any of those movies. Yeah, you can sit. You can sit anyone. You can sit anyone down in front of at least those anyway. Yeah. Um, those three, those even three if they movies. don't know anything about Star Trek and watch those and enjoy them. Like, oh yeah, if you want to show like, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could put Six of Spock on as well because it branches, it it bridges yeah. two and th- two and Yeah, that one story. Yeah. Um, you don't need five because literally. Which was five? I think five, five is the one where is that Rocket Boots? Kirk versus God. Kirk versus God. Rocket yeah, Rocket Boots. Spot. <laughs> like, it, it took until my recent rewatching of the Star Trek movies to realize that five actually just introduces a whole bunch of stuff that then gets ignored in six. So yeah. you, you know track. why, don't you? Sorry, you know why? Why is that? It's because that was the one that Shatner directed. Yeah, uh, I because that was, yeah. after Leonard Nimoy directed Voyage Home, Shatner invoked a clause in his contract. Anything it existed Nimoy in yeah. Anything Nimoy gets, I get. Yeah, and anything I get, Nimoy gets. And he's like, "Well, Nimoy got to helm one of the films. That means I get to helm one of the films." And so, after a progression of films that had rather intelligently portrayed Kirk as this aging statesman with you know, failing vision and, yeah. and stepping away from the captaincy and mm. uh, and becoming more of a more of an official figure than the rough-and-tumble lead. So Shatner comes in, and in his opening scene, he's like, he's free-climbing a rock, and yes. and it's like, oh, fuck. But he does <laughs> fail and fall off it, does he? He not? does, thank God. But <laughs> yeah. it's it's Shatner desperately going, no, no, I'm not old. Yeah. Kirk's not old. Kirk can still cut it. And it's like, ah, oh, you've just missed the point of what made this series of films so good. Yeah, that and Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. And the whales. Always the whales. whales. George and Gracie, you gotta love them. <laughs> hmm. Cool. And David Warner. Yeah. Was it David Warner? Am I thinking of David Warner? You might be thinking of David Warner. I'm thinking of David Warner, who's in five and six. Yes. Yeah. There's two separate characters. Has anyone else got anything to say, or shall we segue? Because there's I just, a great segue I just had one here. question. You mentioned you were playing a game earlier, Simon, and I don't oh, have yeah. any idea what it is. I saw you were on Steam with it as well. City mm. Skyline. What is that? City Skylines. It's uh, two years old now. Oh, it sorry. A, <laughs> it's a city builder yeah. uh, in the vein of SimCity, but Not unlike the recent SimCity, it's good. Great. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, Colossal Order, though. They're quite a small company. This is what they do. They did Cities in Motion back in the day, uh, and it's got one of the most active and supported mod communities I've ever encountered. It's wonderful. The Steam Workshop for it is just full of gold. 
Uh, I haven't played with these yet, but I've seen them. Someone has made entire packs where you can just download um, British terraced housing, British semi-detached housing, British commercial property, and, and you can just turn it into a British city builder. And it's to the point that the sort of terraced commerce... British pack has like subways and WH Smiths and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, the, the modding is amazing. Hmm? Oh, and Nissa locals. Yes. They're, they're, oh, they're wow. Well. And Tesco's and Lidl's and it, wow. it's just amazing. Uh, yeah. The, and there's one that sort of has um, Brooklyn townhouse style packs. So you can do districts that look like that. Um, there's packs to do rural-looking things with trailers and cabins. And and then there's the mods of actually how the simulation itself works. You know, if you've got anything you want to do and you can't achieve it with the base game, you can probably solve that. Build a, mega, a, a mega block. Yeah, you could. Uh, there is, you'd have to use the sub-buildings module to increase the footprint of a single building, and then you'd have to design a series of buildings that sort of were modular and interconnected, but each one could have quite high citizenry, and you could even like um, use sub-buildings to enable one of the blocks to have a medical capacity, one of them to have a teaching capacity, so that they could have everything self-sustained within one building, and yeah, you could actually build a mega block if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. That's amazing. There's building packs you can download to give you a sort of bright, shiny, futuristic look, or the more dystopic, uh, grimy Blade Runner kind of feel. There's all sorts. It's it's kind of amazing. Like, uh, you can... Just for fun, there's commercial traffic goes around a lot. So you see, like, trucks and vans and things. And they're all very generic. So in my game, I replaced them with TNT, FedEx, UPS, um, you know, realistic delivery services. Yeah. So I, I can look at that and go, oh, look, there goes the UPS truck. And uh, it, again. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's really, really fun. It has certain problems with traffic simulation. Um, they all drive on the wrong side. Well, no, you can actually, before you start a map, you can say whether you want left or right-hand drive. Bloody hell. Yeah. And you can download mods to make the roads look British or American, and you can download street signs that are sort of British or American in style or European. Um, it even has a thing that connects to, uh, you know, terrain mapping of uh, Earth has been pretty much conclusively done and open sourced through satellites. Yeah. And there is a tool to take any sort of, I can't remember what the square miles that cities represents is, but take a square of that size, plunk it down somewhere on the terrain map of Earth and export it as a terrain that you can use in the game. I'm going to take this big block of uncultivated land and turn it into a giant ass city. That's amazing. That's yeah. so cool. It, it really, really is. Um, got into it recently because I bought it ages ago and I never really dug into it, but they launched a new expansion recently called Snowfall. And that introduces the winter map. Unfortunately, there's no seasons. It doesn't go from snow and back again. Yeah. But the company are Finnish, so they've done a sort of perma-snow mode now. So you can do Scandinavian countries that comes with new options, like um, you can replace your water network with a heated water network and do community-distributed heating systems. 
and uh, use like local district policies to encourage that rather than electric heating to bring your electricity costs down. But at the same time, you now need to supply new services to the city like snow plows because otherwise the roads do get snowed up and it does affect the traffic. And everyone has to work together in a glorious socialist future. Yeah. And saunas appear as a new medical option. Uh, and <laughs> they've also introduced in it trams, which you can use anywhere. You know, you don't have to be in one of the winter maps to use trams. They're just a new option for public transport. Huh. Trams it's- are terrifying. Trams are amazing. They're amazing, but they're terrifying. Yeah, I, I love using trams in my cities. Oi, cat, that's my tea. Why are you scared of trams? <laughs> I just said it, I had an Amsterdam, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk about it. Any story that starts, I had an incident in Amsterdam and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> what the fuck did you think was going oh, to happen? Oh, okay. I just underestimated the, the velocity of uh, an Amsterdam tram. That's what I, it was, it was a- Were you it, on the tram? No, I was bloody in front of the tram oh. where I was. And not only that, freakishly tall horses as well, walking about the cities as well. That's, that's weird. <laughs> no, seriously, massive, massive horses just wandering around Amsterdam. Oh, no, 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 they were being ridden by oh. police and the like. And the like. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I'm not telling you what happened. It was horrible. Okay. In a horse so, by a track. <laughs> <laughs> no, never mind. We were talking about Star Trek. Uh huh. Uh huh. And in Voyager. They once had a guest star. Oh, yeah. Yes. That was a good episode. It was. Dwayne The Rock Johnson made a guest appearance on Star Trek. And Dwayne? Yeah, he did. As an alien wrestler. An alien wrestler in the the sport of death, fight, ball, score, whatever. He was forced to fight against Seven of Nine. Yeah, he fights Seven of Nine. I have seen this one. Oh, Christ. Which leads us nicely into the Rasslin. Because it is, in fact, March 2016. Rasslin. And as Rob pointed out, that means that this entire month is the month of 316. 316. 316. And, Simon. Yeah. What does Austin 316 just say? Does I just whoop your ass? Does he say that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a famous incident at the sort of birth of the Attitude Era. Uh, king of the Ring. He was declared King of the Ring, beating, was it Jake Roberts? Jake the Snake Roberts, who had his sort of born-again Christian gimmick. He was, yeah, on. he was a full-on born-again Christian. And so Austin was seated on his throne and crowned King of the Ring, and he was delivering one of his famously trash-talk-filled promos. And he was talking about Roberts's habit of quoting Bible scripture and replied, well, Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. <laughs> and that was the birth of Austin 316. No, I remember it's lived say, ever like, since. Yep. It's a bit rude, isn't it? <laughs> it's not Austin, the most rude thing Austin has ever said. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But <laughs> I just love, I, I would love the idea of someone watching the Attitude Era and going, that Steve Austin's a bit rude, isn't he? He's, <laughs> well, he's a bit of an angry chap, isn't he? <laughs> he needs to mind his manners, he does. <laughs> That's the boss he's hurting there. He's yes. going to lose his job. He needs to respect <laughs> the establishment. <laughs> oh, man. He was great, though, wasn't he? He still is. Yeah, he's not that. an active wrestler anymore, but as uh, a personality, he's still great. He has a podcast. He does. he does. Is it his podcast? It is. His own podcast, yeah. Oh, Wait, I... Mostly he like reviews beers. 
Um, no, that's one thing he does, um, because he makes his own beer now. Yep. There is the Broken Skull IPA. <laughs> that's awesome. Like, it, it's, it's a really weird show, because like, he, will, he will, like, depending on who he's got on there, like, he'll talk about old wrestling stuff, he'll review beers, he'll review farming equipment. Well, I mean, that's so cool. He'll never do a whole episode about it, but he'll certainly talk about his experience running the ranch before he gets into the meat of the show. You know, mostly the show is about wrestling or MMA or what have you, but there's always sort of little, like like we do, he has a preamble where he talks about what concerns him, and this is beer and farming and trucks. The thing is, I find his body image quite interesting. Yeah, and his body image issues. It's actually quite sad to listen to. Oh really? Yeah, it's like he's he, he he every time he got people on, he just talks about yeah, I'm gaining a lot of weight, and they're like, oh no, you look fine, Steve. He's off. <laughs> but, oh bless him, he's he's actually quite. Well, no, recently he's been talking about how he's been getting back in shape because he's going to be at WrestleMania 32. Uh, and not choking to death on hot dogs. No. Which one is 32? Is this the one coming up? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. So he is back. Yes. He's Sweet. not going to be wrestling, but oh, he's going to make an appearance. He'll, get, it's, it's he'll hit someone though. He'll hit someone. He did, he did in 30. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully he'll land a stunner. I'm actually expecting him to turn up as a special guest referee because there are several matches where that would work. <laughs> WrestleMania 32, the weird stipulation is every single match the referee is Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, I would watch that in a heartbeat. So, as I, uh, uh, as I said to you guys earlier, so I, I literally don't, don't know any of the matches that's happening. Can you fill me in on what's been happening lately and what is being built up to, to I'm, I'm guessing be resolved in some way in WrestleMania? So, for listeners that aren't aware of pro wrestling, yeah, we'll start there. Yeah, probably aren't going to be all that interested in this episode, to be honest. Well, I don't know. We might be able to sell it as interesting. Because That's true. the thing about pro wrestling, or sports entertainment, <laughs> is, yes, on the surface, it's a fighting show. But that was never true, and is increasingly less true now. Yeah. Because now it's competing with the UFC. It's competing with MMA. It's competing with legit fighting shows. And now people know what that looks like, and it doesn't look like pro wrestling. Even though they did try, bless them, during the 90s. Oh, yeah, they did. The and they, they still all. do a bit. Um, but never again with the Brawl for All tournament. No. <laughs> Let's get our guys to actually beat the shit out of each other for money. That was amazing. But um, yes. pro wrestling is soap opera. Yes. It, it's your weekly soap opera television, but the stunts are way more frequent. <laughs> yes. that's basically it Yeah, uh, it's about characters, it's about good guys and bad guys although that's become way more ambiguous in the last couple of decades and it's one of the things actually Austin talks about on his podcast a lot is go back to the old days of heels, faces clear stories uh, there's a lot more ambiguity in who's good and who's bad these days a lot mm. of the time mm. but anyway the WWE uh, formerly the WWF uh, is probably the one that most listeners, even if they don't have an interest, will have heard of. Yeah. You know, going back, you know, Vince McMahon, uh, you've got The Rock, you've got Hulk Hogan, although he was a WCW guy way back when. Um, but then WWE now own WCW. So all of the big names from there are also WWE guys now. So I pretty guess. much any, I was about to say, so pretty much anyone is a WWE guy now yeah. other than Sting, and then I realized, oh, wait, no, yeah, Sting, Sting is right there. Uh, if he wasn't injured, he'd be at WrestleMania, no doubt. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Tracer. So, that, I mean, yeah, so we'll, we'll try and obviously explain this in, in, a, in, a, in an approachable manner, but 
Go on, then. What's been happening? I don't know. Well, okay. (laughs) There's a couple of storylines, of the big storylines leading into WrestleMania. One of them is, is the general story you will have in every WrestleMania, and the other one is a really big deal. Hmm. So in WWE at the moment, and for a long time, you have a faction, and, and this is not uncommon in wrestling, uh, yeah. you have sort of stables and factions, alliances between characters of similar personality and attitude, and this is the authority, which is a, a very classic angle in wrestling. It's, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's you know, the corporation 2.0. Exactly. It's Triple H, who is a grizzled veteran of WWE, and also married to Stephanie McMahon, the daughter of the owner of the company. So he is the authority, and Stephanie is the authority, and it's the family of the McMahons and their lackeys are the authority. Then you have the babyface, the the champion uh, wannabe. You have Roman Reigns, who I rate him, he's good, but he has a problem in that Vince has been shoving him down the throats of the fans for so long that people have really gone off him. He was really hot when he uh, turned up in The Shield, which was a faction, with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, and the group was really, really popular. So Vince decided to take one of them and elevate them to stardom. So he's been pushing Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble which is the silliest and best match of the year in WrestleMania, <laughs> in, yeah. in wrestling. It's great. I adore the Royal Rumble. For, it's, it's something I can go back and watch, like the old one from the 1990s and 2000s. It's just 30 men enter, one man leaves. Well, technically, I guess all 30, 30 men leave. leave, but one man leaves as the winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The idea of the rumble. Please don't become confused by this. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you want to talk, you want to talk confusion? Any time after, like, 1994 or whatever the fuck it is. Let's talk about Vince Russo's booking. Oh, my God. No, let's not. No, we'll um, see that for another episode. The Royal Rumble is... It's the match that kicks off the road to WrestleMania. WrestleMania being wrestling Super Bowl, essentially. The big annual event. Second largest sporting event of American in the American calendar, isn't it? Second after to the, the Super Bowl. After yeah. the Super Bowl, yeah. And <laughs> the idea of the Rumble is that two men start in the ring, and every 90 seconds, loosely, uh, another well, I- person is added. So someone runs down and joins in. Yeah. And you want to stay in the ring as long as possible. If you are thrown over the top rope of the ring, with both feet touching the floor. Yep, that is key. Then you are eliminated, and you have to slink off to the back, head hung low. (laughs) So you want to be the last guy standing, basically, because the prize for winning the Royal Rumble is a guaranteed title opportunity on the grandest stage of them all, WrestleMania. And in a complete bullshit shenanigans-filled Royal Rumble, Roman Reigns won. What did he won last year as well? Maybe he did. I can't remember who won last year, actually. Didn't he win last year and like everyone was booing him and, and The Rock was like lifting his arm up and then... Yeah. Yeah, he gets booed a lot and 
that's why is the fact yeah. that he is Vince's handpicked favorite. Yeah. Um. So yeah, who who won? I think the best thing I find about the Royal Rumble is it's the uh, it's the anticipation, it's the not knowing who's going to be coming down that ramp next. Because it could be someone from the eighties. It 80s. could be someone. It could be someone who poses no threat whatsoever. Yeah. It could be a giant. Oh like, no, they've done it. Sorry, they've done it slightly differently this year. Yes, Roman Reigns won last year. It was actually Triple H won this year, and the prize Ooh, was the championship. Yeah, Triple H it was vacant. Was in it? Yeah. Oh shit! He was number thirty. He came out right at the end, having rigged the deck because he's the authority. Can oh, I just he's say, such a bad yeah, muffin. But can I just say, this is, uh, and, uh, and I really would advise, for those who aren't, is it like, for me, for instance, who has a casual interest in mm-hmm. wrestling, really good video you should watch about Triple H. Um, it's by uh, um, a favourite writer of mine, Max Landis, does an excellent, excellent um, kind of like comedy kind of um, sort of introduction and explanation to Triple H and explain to me because I didn't realise like his character progression and how he is a good wrestler but he's not the best but he knows that Hmm. so how he is one of the best in-ring psychologists working today yes exactly he's clever and he he bought himself he basically got himself into royalty with uh, with Vince McMahon for example oh yeah uh, and his daughter. Oh yeah, that whole um, like him being married to Stephanie. That's not story. That storyline. That's well, it real storyline. But, it, know, but it's, it's an example. Yeah. It's an example though of like him uh, sort of like hedging his bets, as mm. it were. Like, uh, and I think that's he's a very interesting character for that. But you should he, watch that. That's just a plan, he, he isn't one of the most high flying wrestlers. He isn't one of the most explosive wrestlers. But he is a worker. Uh, if he has a fault, it's that he doesn't like to look weak, which means that because he is in a position of authority, it's hard for him to bring himself to lose and make other people <laughs> look good. Yeah. But he can make them look good whilst beating them, which is a talent all its own. Yeah. Uh, for example, he put on a match uh, this weekend with Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose is also known as the lunatic fringe. He's this uh, scruffy-haired guy. He wears jeans and a sleeveless shirt in the ring. You know, he doesn't look like an athlete. Um, and like that's going to break a bottle off in your face. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's, he's a street fighter. Um, and his match with Triple H really sold him as a wrestler. It was a little bit slower paced than Dean's usual matches because Triple H can't keep up with that chaotic spot fest style that they do now. Mm. And... They sold it as Dean coming in with a plan because it was against Triple H. And so a lot of the match he was focusing on the back of the legs of Triple H because Triple H has a history of quad injuries. And Triple H sold the hurt. Like, it looked like he was struggling to find a way to fight a really unpredictable guy who, you know, was... He wasn't a classic wrestler, which is what Triple H is used to, so he was finding a way to fight him whilst selling that he was being hurt. It was the best Dean Ambrose match I've seen in a while and really sold me on the guy. And that was because of the way he worked in the ring. Because when two wrestlers are in the ring, they're telling a story, and it takes both of them working well to tell that story well. Because if you have one guy half-assing it, it, it doesn't matter how good the other one is. You can make someone look like a jerk by not selling the move, which means pretend... 
wrestling is not fake. There are genuine injuries that occur. You know, hitting the mat hurts no matter what happens. It's just like saying the people doing the stunts in Mad Max. That was not fake. You know, that was dangerous. It's, cool. it's, it's stunt work. But it is stunt work. It yeah. is predetermined, but it is real. And so, there, because it's predetermined and because there is an element of illusion to it, a lot of the moves don't hurt as bad as they look like they do. And it's down to the acting to sell that it hurts. That's selling. And you can completely no-sell someone if you want. You can just, if it doesn't hurt, look like it doesn't hurt. If you're supposed to be injured, suddenly pop up and be fine. Yeah. And that can make someone look like a punk. That can really, really ruin someone's storytelling. It takes both sides of the story to really put on a good match. I mean, there are also characters that will no-sell to a really good degree. So, for example, uh, Kane back in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, doing his whole sort of Michael Myers thing of just getting completely beaten down so he's lying flat out on the ground and then just sitting up. Yeah. Yes. And nothing could put him down. That, that sort of thing. That's like no-selling in a way that works because it makes That's you look like a monster. using no-selling to, yeah, create a monster. The Undertaker, um, Kane, Big Show sometimes. Even even like Hulk Hogan with the whole like, you know, punch me in the face and then he gets punched in the face and he's like, no, and like just yelling at people and like, it's like, oh, punches aren't working on him. Or Man, um, Oscar, so who is a woman working in NXT at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, she no sells and it's, it's the opposite. She sells, but goes in reverse. Like, the, the harder you hit her, the more she's enjoying herself. Yeah, yeah. So you just, you wind her up and make her angry. So you can use that to create a character. But when it's just a straight fight between people who aren't supposed to be supernatural or weird, then, you know, it's, it's improvisational acting mixed with stunt shows. Yeah. And... Anyway, we're getting off track. We are, sorry. (laughs) So yes, uh, Roman Reigns versus Triple H for the championship at WrestleMania is the the main event, the title match. Uh, It is Vince's hand-picked babyface fighting the authority for the belt, and nobody cares. Because at this point, Triple H has been a champion 14 times. uh, Because he helps run the company, no one is impressed when he becomes a champion anymore, and no one really cares about Roman Reigns, talented or otherwise. It's a shame. But there are other matches going on at WrestleMania, and at least one of them has people rather interested in what's happening. And this is, this is quite a... Uh, it could be quite a bold move for the company. Yeah. On Monday Night Raw, which is their flagship TV show, a couple of weeks ago, uh, they started with... uh, The the wrestling shows typically start with a vignette, a sort of acted piece. It's not a fight. It's just setting the tone for the night, telling the story, laying out the dramatis personae, and getting you involved in the story. It's the prologue. The prologue. And the prologue for this night was Vince... McMahon, the owner of the company, 70-year-old wrestling veteran, coming down to the ring to present the Vincent J. McMahon Award for Excellence, <laughs> named after his father, and, and um, he presented this to his daughter, Stephanie, who in real life and in storyline is helping run the show. 
And he's fawning over her and presenting her this award for excellence in the most nepotistic display you can imagine. (laughs) When the entrance music of Vince's estranged son interrupts the conversation. I say estranged, that's in character. Yeah. He left, uh, what, eight years ago? So he, to, to, he, went, he left, left to go and play golf, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> uh, he actually left to start up a media company in China. Oh. Huh. Uh, yeah. He, he went oh. into business, basically. He, he didn't want to have... Um, he wanted to go and explore opportunities of his own rather than just inherit the family business and stay with wrestling. Yeah. But Shane has been in the ring in his time and has done some crazy things for that company. It's, uh, it's one of the sort of things where, like, he didn't have to do anything. Like, he, he was the son of the owner of the company, and all he had to do was go, I want to be in a match. And they go, okay, you can be in a match. And then all he had to do was just, you know... Throw a few punches or around. Yeah, yeah that's and what it I doesn't remember. matter. Like he would have, he you know yeah. gets to do whatever he wants. But he gets thrown off of the like the entrance ramp. Yeah. He does well, diving elbows that- to the outside of the ring. He takes crazy risks and puts his body at risk. He's like, you don't have to do this. Yeah, the one I always remember is Backlash, uh, two thousand one. I think it was. Uh, he was in a fight against the Big Show who is uh, a seven-foot-plus, like, 500-pound legit giant. The guy is enormous. And Shane McMahon is fairly ordinary-sized. So they had to find a compelling way for him to be able to fight Big Show. Now, the WWE like doing things big. So the set for Backlash involved this sort of metal scaffolding sharpened rib cage structure over the entrance way that was many feet tall I, I, I hesitate to estimate how high but uh, 20 feet at least yeah. big big and at one point Shane is getting beaten up by this giant and to escape starts scrambling up this structure so he's hiding at the top and Big Show is just sort of circling around the bottom like a wild animal. Not going to follow, because the, the rigging would probably not hold Big Show's weight, but it's like, you've got to come down sometime. Now, sure, they'd prepared the stage for this. There was a crash mat. Everything was done like a stunt show and safely. But there is definitely no reason that Shane McMahon, as the privileged son of the owner of the company, had to jump from that rigging and elbow drop Big Show from over 20 feet in the air. Jesus Christ. But he did. So he's got some goodwill with the audience. Yeah. Because he's nuts. Because he, he's nuts. He's willing. I always remember, he's always like really wide eyed, wasn't he? And <laughs> sort of hopping around the ring doing the whole like, is it Muhammad Ali thing? Like he's doing the whole. Um, yeah, he does the shuffle. Yeah, the shuffle. Yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. Like, an, like a, a highly paid exec. The on Simba coke. shuffle, that was it. Yeah. Because he's Simba. Because he's the son of, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. son of the king. Okay. But yeah, he's, he's always willing to take a bump. He's always willing to, willing to get himself potentially hurt. So this guy... appreciate that. Yeah. And this guy's come back, right? Yeah. So the last time we saw him as a character, uh, he was sort of, peace out, I don't give a damn about my family, I'm gone. Yeah. So he's come back, <laughs> and he walks out, and he interrupts Stephanie's big moment. And he's, he's saying, what legacy? What have you done for this company? 
you know, I've, I've put myself on the line. I've thrown myself off cages. I've, I've been in the ring. I've fought. I, and I haven't been running this company into the ground, which was an interesting way to take it. Considering WWE has been fairly unsuccessful of late. Mm. TV ratings have been diving. Share price has been dropping. And they let Shane bring it all up rather than try and hide it and say they're doing great, which is typically what they'll do. You know, they'll talk about how sold out they are, how many countries they're broadcasting in, how any, any match they do with a hashtag gets instantly trending. They love to portray this image of success. But there's Shane pointing out verifiable facts about how the stock price is tanking, the viewing figures are going down, and how many people are injured, which is a big deal for them to Uh, admit. Yeah. And Shane is there saying, this is your fault. You're running this company into the ground. You're a failure. You're not a legacy of excellence. You've screwed up. And so everyone's sort of quite interested in this. And then he says he wants control of Monday Night Raw, the flagship show. Now, obviously, this is all in character. It's not like if he gets what he wants, Shane McMahon will actually be running the TV show and Vince and Stephanie and Triple H will have to lay off. But some are speculating that they can't deny these problems exist. They're even bringing them up themselves on the show. Hmm. So they've decided they need a change of direction. The authority as a gimmick clearly is not working. People don't care. People are not watching. So what a great opportunity to do a swerve and change the branding of the show completely. Shane McMahon challenges his father for control of Monday Night Raw, and his father agrees saying, all you have to do is win one match. So Shane says, yeah, sure. I'm up for that. That's so cool. So Vince says, your match is at WrestleMania Mm -hmm. against The Undertaker. Oh, shit. In Hell in a Cell. Now, there's a couple of terms there that we should explain. Firstly, Hell in a Cell. Oh, okay. (laughs) Hell in a Cell is a type of match. In wrestling, a lot of matches have stipulations, which are ways in which they differ from the norm, or gimmicks. And a classic gimmick was the cage match, where you put four walls of cage around the ring, and rather than trying to get someone pinned or to submit, you escape the cage to win, typically by climbing over the top. You can also pin them and make them submit, but... I mean, yes. why would you just, just go out of the cage? That's the fun of it. Slowly climb out of yeah. the cage. <laughs> Hell in a cell, there's a roof. There's no climbing out of this cage. The cage is just there to keep you in. So you can't get away. And it can be used as a weapon. People throw each other into it, rub their faces along the metal and all of that. It's, it's a nice sort of grisly spectacle. Yeah. It's a match that Undertaker has done many times. And one. I think every time he's been in it. Every time Taker's been in it, I'm fairly certain he's won, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was like the Armageddon one where he wasn't there. It was just six dudes. He's only lost one WrestleMania match as well, isn't he? And it? this is yeah. the other thing. The Undertaker is the phenom. He is 
we were talking about veterans. Well, here we go. Here's a 50-year-old veteran who debuted, God, when did he start? Like in the 80s. Uh, I think it was, oh, I'm trying to remember, I remember the exact time because he was, he was uh, Brother Love was, was his sort of valet. Um, oh, God, it was a... He wasn't always like the undead, like... No, when, ever since he came to WWE, he was. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, he's always been an undead monster. Like his, his then he was a biker. Then he was enough, a biker. His, his debut in the WWF was in 1990 as Kane the Undertaker. Oh, oh yeah. Which uh, was weird because later on they would introduce another character as his brother, Kane, when he was simply the Undertaker. So Kane the Undertaker became Kane and the Undertaker. But hey, these things happen in wrestling. And, and now he's just Undertaker. So maybe when they were going to do that storyline where Snitsky was the third brother, he would just be called The. <laughs> but he actually, he started wrestling professionally in the mid 80s and he came to WWF in 1990. So this guy has been around. He's also been in movies as well. If you ever get into chance, watch him in uh, Suburban Commando with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Please don't. And his, <laughs> Please gimmick, <laughs> his gimmick in the WWF, WWE, has always been the dead man. Uh, this almost supernatural, or entirely supernatural, depending on the era. He uh, some lightning bolts at one point. It was yep. pretty stupid. It's not stupid. I love it when it goes fantastical. This, that's my favourite. Like, do continue. You've got Vince Russo to thank for that. Yeah. Yep. But the character and the guy had twenty years of matches at WrestleMania mm-hmm. undefeated. He's a favourite as well. The the. He is a fan favorite, absolutely. And yeah, he, he's only recently lost a match at WrestleMania. He's lost one in 21 matches. And that was weird. That was, it was a great moment in terms of actually surprising people. True. I had, I had, to, I had to be by myself for a bit. Yeah. Oh, our Brock, our, our old Brock came along with yeah. you. Yep. The beast himself. Faced Brock yeah. himself. I, I'm the beast incarnate. Genuinely terrified of that guy. You yeah. should be. Yeah. Because he's a legit fighter. Yes. We'll come on to him. Slash yeah. Canadian bear. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's, he's a legit fighter slash Canadian bear monster. Anyway, so our Shane has to go up against this, le- this Levi- Leviathan. Yep. The yeah. Undertaker in Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. Two environments in which The Undertaker is not known for losing. <laughs> it's so harsh. But if he wins, and this is why I think he might, it's a great opportunity in character for them to completely rebrand the show and put a fan favorite in charge as the face of it. Yeah. But also, I, he's not challenging for ownership of the company or anything huge or crazy like that. It's ownership said, of Monday Night shows. Raw. And there are two shows. There's more, but in terms of the big two flagship TV shows, there is also SmackDown. So this would be a good opportunity to set those shows up in rivalry with each other, which is something they've done before. Yeah. And you could have a heel show and a face show to introduce more wrestling terminology. Heel being the bad guys and face being the good guys. I didn't know that. So Raw and and SmackDown are are specifically for... Heels and faces. No, 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 no. Uh, but, they, but they could be. Oh, I see. And, and not that the characters in them would be heels and faces, but the characters running them would be. I see. I am with you. I'm with you. So the shows would be in direct competition, and you would have, much as you want a heel versus a face to get the fans cheering for the good guy and booing the bad guy, 
they could go in direct competition with the shows and take that even further and have the the people heading it up. You could have Stephanie running SmackDown and Shane running Raw and have a sibling rivalry. Yeah. And also you could have um you could have people who are uh for example if a face is actually being uh told what to do by a heel, for example, that can introduce some good storylines, couldn't it? This is this is the the only problem I have with it is that basically I've seen what happens like when you have um a heel in charge of the, as the uh, say the authority figure, as yeah. a heel in charge, it's a lot more believable well not believable, but it's a lot more dramatically interesting because then the good guys have an uphill struggle. Yeah, they the, have to the faces out have the person in charge is actively acting against their interests. Mm. So they become the underdogs. TNA for the longest possible time had uh, a face in charge with Dixie Carter. And the person booking all the matches was also a face because it was Sting and also Hulk Hogan, who was a face at the time. So it was just like, wait, so yeah, uh, the, the, the bad guys won this match, but now they've overturned the result because we caught him cheating. And it's like, guys, guys, don't make the bad guys the underdogs. <laughs> You're fucking up. It's like rule one of writing a bad guy and a good guy dynamic. Oh, I find that quite interesting. Though. It wasn't. Oh, it really yeah. wasn't. No, yeah. in wrestling, love, it doesn't work. Yeah, I love TNA, but it did it, it fucked some things up royally. Okay, so that's what we have <laughs> at the moment. Then, so well, this is the match where I'm hoping Austin appears because the deck is stacked against Shane, and Vince has stacked that deck in character. So, what a great opportunity to bring back Steve Austin, one of the well, the lead figure of the Attitude Era of yeah. anti-authority, rebellious yeah, wrestling. Rebellion. Yeah, always about rebelling. So you can just imagine on the night, Shane coming out, but before he gets in, saying, you know, Vince said I had to fight you, he said I had to fight here, but I'm going to even the odds a little. I invite an old friend to referee, just you know, to make sure things get done fair. And out comes Steve Austin, Texas local wrestling hero and massively anti-authoritarian figure. It's they've got to find a way for the Undertaker to lose but not look weak. It will literally explode when he comes out because Undertaker is uh, another one of those guys who does not deal well with the idea of not. Uh, he, he doesn't put people over. Oh, actually, no, he does. He absolutely does. The the guy who plays the Undertaker, if he likes someone, he will put them over oh, massively. Yeah, he'll do it for the right person, but yeah. you've really got to earn it. Yes. <laughs> he, uh, he, like he, the first time like, yeah. someone kicked out of the Tombstone Piledriver, for example, that was a, a hell of a putting over. Mm. He, he's one of those ones who'll do what they call like a stiff, he'll do a lot of stiff hits if yeah. he doesn't feel like someone's getting it. He will legitimately punch people in the face if he feels like they're not pulling their weight. No, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, I mean, yeah. The, you know, oh, all these guys Austin. Are... Yeah? Oh, yeah. There, huh. there was a wonderful story to, to uh, diverge again and talk a little bit about Steve Austin, this legendary figure who's coming, is coming back for WrestleMania in whatever capacity. There was a story on his podcast recently in an interview with The Big Show in which Big Show told the story of how Austin changed Big Show's career forever. And Big Show, as we said, is the 7 foot plus, 500 pound legitimate giant. Now, when Paul, as Show's real name is, was new to the business, 
he was somewhat hesitant to go too stiff, uh, which is too real, because he was aware that he was a big guy and he could really hurt people. He was very young when he got started as well, wasn't he? He was very young. And he was quite hesitant in the ring as a result. So he was being booked as a big monster, but acting like an ordinary wrestler. So backstage, he was constantly being told by the writers, by the directors, and by the veterans, you got to fire up. you got to really go out there and fire up, be the monster. And he just couldn't bring himself to do that. So I like to think there was some meeting about who was going to be the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> but anyway, he ends up getting booked in a big pay-per-view match against Steve Austin. And before... <laughs> In the lead-up to that match, they worked a program, as it's called, which means they were wrestling a lot against each other on tour at various shows in front of live crowds that weren't on TV and some that were. But they were wrestling each other constantly to sort of practice and rehearse for the big event. And during those weeks, Steve Austin worked really stiff with Paul. Just hurt him, beat him up a little bit. And was just really cavalier about winning and going over Big Show in all of those matches going, I'm the star. To the point that when it comes to the pay-per-view, backstage, Vince is coming over to give them their sort of pre-match warm-up. He says, you know, I want you to go out there, put on a, a really great show. I want you to sell Paul. He's our, he's our giant. He's our monster. I want you to make him look great out there. And Austin, with Paul stood right next to him, goes, well, I don't know about that, Vince. I think these people pay to come see Stone Cold Steve Austin, drink some beers, hit some stunners. <laughs> going, I am the cocky son of a bitch. Yep. And I don't want to make this guy look good. And so Big Show stood there going, what the fuck have I done to you to get you this pissed off at me? Why do you hate me? So out they go. And they're working <laughs> quite stiff. Steve is beating him up. And then... Big Show throws him out of the ring and then throws him back in. And throwing him back in, he he grabs hold of the tights and and gives Austin a bit of a wedgie. So Austin puts him in the corner, smacks him across the face, gets in his face and shouts, Lay off the tights, you dumb son of a bitch! At which point Big Show grabs his face and throws him clear across the ring. He picks himself up into the corner. Big Show charges him, body slams him, full weight, and hits him back. Full on, he's pissed off and actually hurting Steve. Yeah. And as he smacks him across the face, Steve just looks at him and goes, There you go, now you're fired up! (laughs) And the whole (laughs) thing was a setup to get Big Show to realise what he could do in that ring. That's amazing. (laughs) The friends you pick on the road. (laughs) And now they're best mates, you know. Yeah, it's aggressively confronting him in front of an audience. <laughs> Actually punching him in the face. That is one hell of a Fight gambit. Me. Damn it. Fight me. That is a seven foot two, five hundred pound gambit. Oh my right goodness there. me. Until he grabs Which is why you I like by to the think face. There was a meeting going, who is going to be the guy to piss off the big show to breaking point? <laughs> and Steve Austin's just thinking, I'll do it. <laughs> I just love that Stone Cold Steve Austin had this free. idea of just going. I've got a plan. Wait, what's your plan? Um, you see that giant over there, the 500-pound guy with the fucking hands like trucks? Yeah. I'm going to piss him off. Bear with me. <laughs> yeah. Why are you going to piss him off? 
to make him hit me. I liked that he had a long game, long game as well. Like it wasn't like just an all-out aggressive thing. Like like you said, Simon, he worked on him for like yeah, a whole time. Just getting his head for a month and just really wind the guy up to breaking point. <laughs> oh man, wrestlers That's- are very strange people. They really, really are. I'm trying to think of some of my favorite backstage. They like working each other up. It's got to be said. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So, okay, so we've got that then. Is there anything else that's been happening at the moment that's been building up to WrestleMania? Yes. Dean Ambrose, who I was talking about before, the lunatic French. He is perhaps the most over guy in the WWE at the moment. Meaning, not that his career is coming to an end, but that the fans really like him. Yeah. If you are over, you are over with the crowd. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, right, right. So he's incredibly popular, and he's coming off this match with Triple H that was a great match. He's coming off a, um, a program where on TV he's been getting beaten down and beaten down, like taken off in an ambulance level beating down, and coming back and asking for more. Like, his whole thing at the moment is you can't keep him down. You can't stop him because he does not care. So, because he's the face, he's been booked against a classic heel. Specifically, Brock Lesnar. Oh, wow. I said we'd be coming back to him. Yeah. Brock Lesnar, who, if any man alive, is the image of what the Neanderthal man looked like. <laughs> it is Brock Lesnar. With his tattoos of knives on his body. He I'm is like a thinking of his brain ridge. With no fucking neck. Yeah, it's, it's just like a, it's just a series of bricks instead of a neck. It looks like Marv from Sin City in a way. Like that yeah. kind of nose. He really does. Forehead down. Yeah. 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 And he's he really, I feel really like- does. I don't want to insult him because I feel like he can find you here at any second, but he does have like the tiny, cold, dead eyes of a killer. He, that's the thing. He is a frightening man. Yeah. He's a he terrifying. Like, you hear stories about him. Listeners, if you, ha- if you don't know what Brock Lesnar looks like, please just Google image search Brock Lesnar right now. Now, what you do is you go into your bathroom, look in the mirror, and you go, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, man. That's all my God! Oh my God! I hope you. I hope you're happy, Irish, because right now some kid is going to try that. Some poor teenager is going to try that. They're going to say Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar. It's going to be silent, and they're going to go, "Ah, uh, nothing happened." Then all the lights will go out, and a little voice will just whisper in their ear, "Suplex City, bitch." Oh my god. And Here it. is everything you need to know about Brock Lesnar in one tidy package. What's that? Uh? Brock Lesnar is not just a professional wrestler. No. He is also a legitimate MMA fighter. Uh, yeah. He went and worked in the UFC and became UFC champion. His record in the UFC is quite impressive. I'm just trying to find the actual win-loss rating for his it time in the UFC. Wild, didn't it? it did, but am I right in saying that that gave him a phenomenal chip on his shoulder? Like, was it, wasn't there that one point I, where he was having a go because he was like, look, I'm, I'm the real deal. You guys are I, I think what gave him the chip on his shoulder was the way he left the WWE the first time. 
uh, when he left to go to UFC, he was in a match against Goldberg with Stone Cold Steve Austin as the special guest referee. Yeah. Yep. And it was Goldberg's last match, and it was Brock Lesnar's last match, and it was supposed to be a big emotional send off, and the crowd all was one. Well, firstly, whenever Brock landed a punch, they would shout boo. Whenever Goldberg landed a punch, they would shout boo. The only person they cheered was the referee. <laughs> Did they not like Goldberg? They hated Goldberg. Everyone they Goldberg. hated Goldberg. Probably but for good reason, that, to be honest. The, the match ended. Brock Lesnar stood up to get his standing ovation, saying that thank you for you know, you know Everything, the opportunities yeah, he can be. Yeah, yeah. And the crowd all as one, chanting na 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 na. Na 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 na, hey hey hey, goodbye. Oh, and he just stood there as they just chanted and booed and damn near threw stuff at him. And oh, it was so uncomfortable. He looked like he was going to explode. Like he was actually going to vault the barriers and just start randomly harming <laughs> audience take on the whole stadium. I think that's where this sort of aggression came from. Because up until then, he just he sort of would been, as well. He was a he was a big angry guy, but no more so than any other big angry guy in the roster. Mm-hmm. And then that happened, and now he's come back, and he's just this sort of fucking dead-eyed killer. Yeah, I was going to say something went out behind his eyes. Yeah, just well. That here's the thing about Brock Lesnar. He left to go to UFC, as yeah. we mentioned, which is legitimate fighting. Yeah. He has a 5-3 record in UFC, his last two fights being losses, uh, and that's why he left. But if you ignore that, then his first six matches were 5-1, and there's a reason I'm ignoring the last two fights. He won the heavyweight championship from Randy Couture, who is no pushover, and defended it against Frank Mir and Shane Carwin, who were both very capable fighters. And in his whole career, where he won by... In his first six matches, he won by submission three times, TKO twice, and by decision once. He was suffering from life-threatening diverticulitis, and either preparing for, undergoing, or recovering from major colon surgery. Jesus. In his entire career at UFC, he has gone on record and said, not one fight in his UFC time was him 100%. Not one fight was him healthy. Oh, shit. <laughs> and he still beat Randy Couture, Frank Mayer, Shane Carwin, Min Su Kim. Um... <laughs> If you could do that whilst feverish and in genuine risk of your life, then imagine what he could do healthy like he is now. I'd really not like to imagine that. Although this is why he now works. He he went back to WWE because it is a much less demanding physical job. Yeah, because he we, they will let him work a part-time schedule. He only really does pay-per-views and very occasional TV appearances. He doesn't go on tour like the, the full-timers. Yeah. Uh, because whilst he's recovered from that surgery and his life is not in danger, he'll never be 100% again. But yeah, he's a genuinely dangerous man. And uh, his only real problem as a professional wrestler has always been a lack of charisma. Yeah, because he does sound bored whenever he's trying to say something. Um, and to be a really good pro wrestler, you need great in ring ability 
and great microphone ability. And failing that last one, you need someone who's really good on the microphone to be with you. This is the way that great wrestlers with no personality have classically been handled. You give them a manager, someone to talk for them, their mouthpiece. And one of the greats is Paul Heyman. <laughs> He's great at many things. <laughs> one Running of the greats as a manager. They'd never give him money. Yeah, oh God, no, no, no. To, to no. use a classic wrestling commentary terminology, if you shake hands with him, count your fingers afterwards. Yeah. There's, <laughs> a, there's a one... Because Paul Heyman used to run a, a business called ECW, Extreme, well, Eastern Championship Wrestling, or, or East Coast Wrestling, or Extreme Championship Wrestling, depending on what era of time we're in. Before um, or after Paul bought it. Yes. Um, and I remember there was a story that people were telling about Paul Heyman uh, when he was, oh, it was one of the Dudleys, I think it might have been uh, Bubba, uh, called him up and was just like, hey, Paul, um, the, the, the check that, you know, you're supposed to send it, apparently it hasn't, it hasn't cleared or something like, you know, they were basically waiting on their money for doing these shows where they would be like throwing themselves off of scaffoldings and whatnot. And Paul goes, oh, I've got, you know, I've got all the paperwork right here. It's definitely been checked. It's, the check number is like 00559-7421. And there's a song pause and Bubba goes, uh, Paul, that's, that's too many numbers. It's, there's too many numbers on a check. And, and Paul says, I'll just knock a couple off the end. <laughs> <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah, he's not a great businessman. He's not very trustworthy. But in terms of charisma on the microphone, there aren't many better. Yeah. And he is a natural heel, let's say. Unless it's New York. Well, there are crowds that love heels. I yeah. wouldn't say that New York thinks he's not a heel. I would just say they love Paulie <laughs> Dangerously. <laughs> but he is a short, balding, so a- rotund, mouthy New Yorker. Yep. Who is and managing boy- Brock Lesnar. He is so New Yorker. Jesus fucking Christ. So you've got this, shall we say, killing machine going yeah. up against Dean Ambrose, who is... I mean, he's not <coughs> small. He's 6'4", and he's like 220 pounds. But he's a human. So... <laughs> <laughs> not, like, not like the bear in a man suit. <laughs> The shaved bear is Brock Lesnar. The shaved bear that hates people. So he is much- basically the heavy from TF2. Yeah. He is. <laughs> so as much he as he's been yeah. doing this storyline of Dean Ambrose being able to take just about any beating you give him and come back and ask for more, how are they going to make it even plausible that he might win? Can anyone guess? Um... Wait, um, hang on. Ladder match. Nope. Nope. Um, You're right, it is a gimmick match. Buried alive. Nope. Oh, Christ. Inferno match. It's a street fight. Oh. Oh, my God. No disqualification. Because someone looked at Brock Lesnar and went, yeah, he's pretty scary. But I, I bet he'd be less scared if we let him use fucking kendo sticks on someone. We definitely need to give him less rules. <laughs> <laughs> this will be great. This man, is, this man is scary enough. Restrictions on his behaviour. 
Brock Lesnar. Mm, yeah, I guess he's scary, but give him a baseball bat. I want to see what happens if we give him a baseball bat. <laughs> now, just to, just to clarify, so a street match, as I, my understanding is, is that yes, indeed, there are weapons. Um, you're allowed to go out of the ring, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. Balls count anywhere. It, you are still in the ring, though. You're not literally in the streets. You well, could it, do it. Starts in the ring. Yeah. I don't think it's Fool's Count Anywhere. Uh, although it might be. Street fighters usually, usually tend to be. Yeah, they do, don't they? But yeah, it's yeah. basically, there is no disqualification. Um, is, it like, is it like hardcore light? No, it's hardcore. It's, it's what used to be called a hardcore match. Oh, right, okay. It's oh, basically okay. that. Yeah. Back in the, the I know 90s. what hardcore yeah. matches. so there you go. Hardcore Coming matches being ones yeah. where, again, it's technically, it's just no disqualification. But hardcore tends to imply the use of foreign objects, <laughs> such as kendo sticks, steel chairs, tables, sledgehammers. Um, yeah, it has a certain connotation about it, that word, doesn't it? it yeah. Does. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be quite an interesting one to watch. <laughs> I need to watch that. If only, if only Dean Ambrose came from a background where weapons matches were, you know... The norm. Well, funnily enough, Dean Ambrose has a background in a wrestling fr- a franchise called CZW. Combat Zone Wrestling. Combat Zone Wrestling. Right. Jesus Christ. Combat Zone Wrestling, which was basically a hardcore championship, uh, a hardcore federation. Like, every fight was no yeah, DQ. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> and, and when we talk about, like, you know, street fight hardcore matches in WWE, it's like chairs, tables, mm-hmm. uh, the occasional weird thing like a sledgehammer or something like that. CZW was more known for staple guns, fly mows. Oh, um, Jesus. Staple guns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my uh, God. Wrestling light tubes. Uh, barbed wire. Balls. Oh, yeah, a lot of barbed wire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah barbed wire is like vanilla there. Yeah, Christ. What about a razor wire? You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, um, but yeah, weed whackers were fairly done. common. Uh, weed whackers yeah. didn't go over there at one point. No, I don't think he's been in CZW. No, no, no way. No Foley wouldn't go near it. CZW is the one that featured in The Wrestler. It's yes. the one with like, the guy shouting, use my leg, use my leg. Oh, yeah. the, the guy that he fights in that, the guy with the scary beard. Yeah, that's Necro Butcher. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know he, who that is. He wrestles barefoot. That's such a good film. He is it a really scary is. man. And that is also, yeah, a really good film. Recommend to watch uh, that. Yeah. And that's also where I believe they have the staple gun. They staple the dollar bill to him. They bloody do, yeah. don't they? Yes. Oh, my God. Um, Season W is interesting and mm. not for the faint of heart. No. 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 It's, uh, but that is Dean's background, so he can make this look good. Jesus. Yeah, because he's just going to be chopping away at that big, scary, angry, ugly, bastard Redwood. <laughs> but really, there's nothing to stop the Redwood. <laughs> really. The Redwood but we shall see. I mean, this, this is a business where monsters have been beaten in uh, these kinds of matches by... Such subtle implements as backhoes and forklift trucks. Yeah. If, if they can pull off the old thing of burying him under enough stuff, then use a forklift truck to pin him down, yep. then throw your arm over him, that might stop Brock Lesnar. You just need Ravens <laughs> to come along with a golf cart again. That would be good. <laughs> now, the only oh, other my- match that's been announced for WrestleMania... 
is another really, really good match that I'm looking forward to. Uh-huh. And I'm delighted to say I am hugely looking forward to the championship match for the women's division. Uh-huh. We are in a really, really strong time for women's wrestling in the WWE, which has not famous? been true for a very long time. Very, I mean, what, since Lita and, and uh, Trish left? This is the best women's wrestling since the days of Lita and Trish Stratus, yes. So for those of our non-wrestling fan viewers, that's what, nearly 20 years now? Must be, yeah. No, no, sorry, about 15, 15, oh, yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Mm. Uh, when did Lita retire? Uh, well, she's not, she's oh, no. not fully retired because she's in Lucha Underground now. I'm in from the WWE. Oh, yeah. I mean, she actually only retired in 2006, but that was, of course, largely as um, accompanying Edge rather than wrestling quite so much herself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because she was still in the sort of um, one-night stand shows and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the Trish Stratus era actually ended in about 2004. So, so that's years. about 12 years. But... The booking for WrestleMania 32 is a triple threat match <clears throat> of Charlotte Flair. Ric Flair's daughter. Oh, Rick wow. Flair's daughter. Yeah. Really? Who okay. is, she is a great wrestler. She has a fucking terrifyingly phenomenal physique as well. Yes, she really does. Unfortunately, she's trapped in a gimmick at the moment. Uh, the gimmick is bringing her dad to the ring. Yes, and her oh. dad interfering to cheat for her victories. I mean, it's not, like Rick Flair. it's not like Ric Flair to mug for the camera or, you know, try and steal all the spotlight or anything. <laughs> but yes, she's basically Woo! carrying on the family tradition. She's the dirtiest diva in the game. Yeah. She is cheating to win, and it's getting tired, so I'm expecting her to lose. Oh, okay. Because something happened over in NXT. In fact, you could say NXT is happening. So let's talk about what NXT is. Because WWE, WWF is the famous big TV and pay-per-view wrestling promotion lots of people know. What a lot of people who don't know who are watching the TV shows is, where do they get these people from? Now, it used to be... uh, Yeah, actually, it is called (laughs) the Farm Leagues. It used to be you had Florida Championship Wrestling and Ohio Valley Wrestling, which were... Uh, like sporting farm leagues, like baseball farm leagues, where you put promising talent to hone their skills in the hopes that they'll be good enough that you can bring them up to the major leagues. Now, there is no FCW or OVW anymore. There is NXT, which is Triple H's baby. He runs this creatively and talent-wise, and it's phenomenal. They're doing something very clever with it. A lot of their live shows play to universities and uh, crowds like that. The, the kind of people who would be watching Ring of Honor, which is a competing franchise, or um, watching New Japan stuff, uh, the smart, modern, more indie style of wrestling. And that's what we're getting on NXT. It also booked women really well. And for a while, there was this movement called the Four Horsewomen. You had Charlotte, you had a woman called Becky Lynch, who is uh, an Irish lass, who is really good. 
Sasha Banks, who is a great heel women's wrestler, her whole thing is she is the boss. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a certain Nicki Minaj kind of cockiness to her that I really I like enjoy. Who were the four horsewomen? I'm trying to remember who the fourth one was. Was it Bailey or was it Paige? I think it was Bailey. But there are so many good women at the moment that I can't just think who were the four <laughs> women. The four best, yeah. There's too there's too many. It could be more. Um I think it was Bailey who is a hugger. Uh she oh, is she's a hippie. Like her whole thing is when she comes out, uh wacky waving arm inflatable tube men explode <laughs> on the stage and she's wearing tassels and she's just kicking ass, basically. Um, you've also got, as I say, Paige, who is an English girl who is fantastic. Uh, you've got Natalia, Natalia Neidhart, who is another legacy from uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, is still wrestling. Uh, you've got Oscar coming up. You've got Nia Jax, who's a big monster. There's so many good women in NXT and WWE right now. So, Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky Lynch will be in a three-way dance for the championship at WrestleMania. That is three of the four horsewomen. These women know each other really well. They've been working together for a long time, and they're all incredibly talented. And it's about time the Charlotte championship gimmick ended so I'm fully expecting it to go to one of them oh man I'm actually interested to see a women's match in WWE which has not happened for a very long time seriously um, the second best match at Roadblock was Charlotte versus Natalia it's getting so that they've got so many strong women on the roster that they can't get them all enough TV time I haven't wow. even started talking about Naomi and Tamina, who are a tag team, a women's tag team. Tamina Snooker? Uh, yes. Ah. Sorry, uh, of uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Another uh, legacy, yes. Yep. Um, they are Team BAD, Team Bad, and they're also great. There's just so much. And, and Sasha was a member of Team Bad at one point. You know, it's that sort of attitude. They've got so many good women on the roster that they can't get them all enough screen time. It's it's great. I it's still called the Divas Championship, and could we please change that? Yeah, could we please have it as the Women's Championship again? It used to be the Women's Championship. We can move it back. Uh, But yeah, uh, women's wrestling is incredibly strong, and that's probably the match I'm looking. uh, It's probably second on my list. I'm most looking forward to Undertaker Shane because it's going to be an incredible spot fest. Oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she's gonna lots jump, of stunts, she's gonna lots jump of off of something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, then the women's championship because these three women know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Then the street fight because then the large women again. <laughs> <laughs> and basically everything ahead of the um, the championship because no one cares. I just realized as well, Simon, when you said, like, how can, how can we sort of, you know, even this out, the Dean Ambrose-Brock uh, Lesnar match? How can we yeah. even start to give Dean Ambrose a chance? And I'm like, I've just got this idea of this image of just, okay, you're going to fight the irrepressible and unyielding rage of a cyclone from the north come to lay waste to your home. But you can have any object from this home de- homeware department <laughs> to defend yourself. Choose your weapon, defend yourself. 
Like, I don't know if that necessarily is leveling the playing field. That's Even just an ingredient for more anger. Yes. <laughs> <coughs> oh, dear. Well, at least it isn't the Hell in a Cell. Yeah, that's true. Because you, <laughs> you can't get away from it. I don't want to see prop measure. <laughs> at least in a street match, you can run down the street. <laughs> <laughs> away. <laughs> I'm also expecting to see Chris Jericho versus AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Oh, yes, AJ's now jumped over to WWE, hasn't he? Yes. AJ Styles is the phenomenal one. Um, he is a wrestler with, again, he's been working for years. He's got some incredibly impressive moves. And right now he's working with the veteran Chris Jericho. And, and more amazingly, not killing or paralyzing people with his finisher anymore. <laughs> that's, that's great. No, seriously. Uh, I know, I know. He, but he used to work in TNA. <sighs> And he, well, he worked in TNA for like, what, 10 years? Yeah. Uh, 11, 12 years, something crazy like that. Um, and was one of their, he was probably their, their, their mainstay. He was their John Cena. He was their face of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then quit. Very bad blood between the com- him and the company. Um, and then went on the indie circuit and suddenly just went from bad to worse luck with everything because he just kept doing his finisher, the Styles Clash, which looks really cool. Mm. And paralyzed wrestler after wrestler with it till it looked like that no one was ever going to book him again. Seriously. And then he, t- and then he turned up on WWE and he was doing his move. And I was like, oh, when I first saw him doing it, I, I could feel myself clenching up and oh going, oh, gosh. sweet Jesus, no. And then it was fine. And I'm like, oh, thank God. He just needs to be, he just needs to be on TV. That's all it is. Like, also, no they're ca- not really using the Styles Clash in the WWE for that reason. Oh, okay, fair enough. Because it has such a bad, well, bad. Because uh, it's a reckless move. Well, it's not even. It's not even that reckless. Like in terms it's of moves, just it's when it goes wrong. Yeah, well, that's what I'm. But like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's that we've got Guys, really, guys in it? TNA had more reckless moves. I think like the Canadian Destroyer, the the, the flip pile driver. Is is amazing and looks incredible and looks so dangerous, but I'd say has probably hurt less people than the Styles Clash, which is basically just jumping on someone upside down. Yeah, um, yeah. So AJ Styles has now gone to WWE, and yeah, he mm. God, he looks terrible. <laughs> His fucking hair, man. <laughs> but he's wrestling really well. Yeah. I mean, he always wrestled really well. And he's teamed with Jericho, and I really like Jericho. You want to talk about the guy with charisma and in-ring skills, there he is. This is a man who knows how to be a wrestling character so well that at Roadblock, which was in Canada, he managed to get the Canadian crowd to cheer the real American against him. Yep. Because he's that good of a heel. Like, he literally just came out and did a complete cheap heat trash promo <coughs> saying, I left Canada and it's the best decision I ever made because this country stinks. Just really old school trash talking cheap heat. He, he was the one, no, that reminds me about Jericho. He was the one that actually, like, someone tried to pull him out of his car at the end of, the, uh, at the end of one of those um, yeah. because people got that worked up by him. Like, he's people a, were attacking him in the street. He is a great heel. He also used to do a wonderful thing. Like, he had the longest-running feud with Stephanie McMahon, of all people. <laughs> like, it was the weirdest thing. Like, he didn't have, he had, like, the occasional, like, you know, 
beef with other wrestlers, whatever his storyline wise and all that. But the longest running feud he ever had was with Stephanie McMahon, where he would just keep brutally insulting her all the time. <laughs> like every single bit for years and years. It would just be unnecessarily mean to her. But he's doing a great thing with AJ Styles at the moment. Because AJ is a guy that a lot of the fans already know. The, the smart fans, as they're known. The ones who've watched right. him wrestle elsewhere. So they've got this guy with a history. Uh, they've got this guy with a following. But he's new to a lot of the TV audience. So they need to get him over in a hurry. They did that at first by booking him with Chris Jericho in a couple of matches where they put on great shows and showed a lot of respect for each other afterwards. They did the handshake, you know, good faces being good guys, just great fighters with a lot of respect. To the point they teamed up. They became a tag team. And they thought, this is going to run and run. They even had t-shirts printed with Y2AJ on them. (laughs) And then the first time they lost, Jericho just turns around and beats Styles down. And he comes out on TV and explains himself. And he's like, I'm the WWE veteran. I've been here forever. I've worked for you guys. I've put everything on the line for you guys. And what do I hear? AJ Styles. You could have cheered for me. You could have cheered for us. What do I hear? AJ Styles. And then he just burns the t-shirt, throws it in a bin, (laughs) setting it on fire, and it's like, I'm going to burn your career down. You're through. And just stands there really menacingly as this fire lights him from below and just goes, AJ Styles. AJ Styles. (laughs) Sort of mocking the crowd's chance. And it's the creepiest storyline. It's great. I love it. So he's become completely obsessed with AJ. And they're going to put on a really good feud. It's also really weird because you've got Chris Jericho, who storyline-wise is a massive heel and is really easy to hate. Yeah. But in his personal life, is kind of mostly inoffensive, other than a few incidences with well, Canadians. Yeah. Um, the, only, the only fault I could really find with Chris Jericho is that he actively sees his wrestling career as being secondary to his musical career. And yeah, I, I don't know if you've ever heard Fozzy. Yeah, I have. Got, it's not a good band. A he, he's career. another one who's got a podcast. The Way to J podcast. Yeah, he's yeah, got a podcast. Not a great podcast. Yeah, so I hear. But yeah, um, he, he's, his band is Fozzy and they're not good. Yeah, AJ Styles is a face with all the crowd is sharing for. And his personal life, I can definitely find a few faults with. Yeah. Yeah. The thing um, is, though, like he, with Jericho, he, just, he does it because he, when he can, and yeah. two, just because he loves. Just doing what he oh, wants. Absolutely. He can just do it whenever he, whenever yeah, he wants. Whatever yeah. he wants to do. Um, so, yeah, that's quite an interesting thing to see. I mean, I, I really, I mean, as much as a good wrestler as AJ Styles is, I really dislike him as a, as a, as a person. So oh. it's really hard for me to cheer for him. Um, and his stupid fucking hair. <laughs> I'll happily cheer for Jericho, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. We, 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 we are those weird Jericho. people that will cheer mostly for the heels, I yeah, think. Yeah, because they're always more fun. That is true. They're always more fun. TNA, I would always cheer for uh, for Chris Daniels and Kazarian. I'll be cheering for Ambrose in the Ambrose Brock match. Is Ambrose the heel? No, Ambrose is the face. No, 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 no. I don't always cheer the heels. I'll, I'll be cheering Ambrose, and he's definitely the face in that match. You'll be cheering I would, Shane. I would. Yeah, but that's a problem because Taker is also a face. Is he? Yeah. That's weird. 
No, no, no. Taker's a massive fan favorite. And he's like, he's being used by Vince and he's turned around and choked Vince out a couple of times for putting him in this match. You know, he is the face. So it's a face versus face match. It's going to be very confusing who to cheer for. Yeah, I guess. Just face Undertaker. That's weird. Although I will probably be cheering for Sasha in the women's championship, who uh, Charlotte's the biggest heel in that triple threat, but Sasha is the next biggest heel, definitely. <laughs> go for, uh, in, the, in the match of heels, go for the middle heel. Well, no, Becky is the face. Oh, okay. Becky well, is sort of definitely the face. <laughs> two heels, a face, and a women's belt. Nice. <laughs> so I'd expect to see AJ Jericho, because they've been building that up. Yeah. And I absolutely expect to see the New Day, because they are white hot at the moment. Yeah, what, what are the New Day? Because okay. I've not had a fully explanation, because I just... I occasionally catch gift sets, and the thing about <laughs> New Day is that they appear to be very gifable. With their they are hugely gifable. I fucking love the New Day. Uh, the New Day are uh, Kofi Kingston, who you'll be familiar with, I hope. Yep, he's a Ghanaian wrestler, I believe. I believe so. Yeah, uh, Big E, who you may or may not be aware of. He was used to be in a tag team with. Some whatever. He's like a massively built guy. He's big. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he is put together. That guy is. Uh, it looks like he's been inflated. Oh Christ. <laughs> and they are managed, as it were, by Xavier Woods, who is. Right. I mean, he is a wrestler himself, but with the New Day, he is the manager. Yeah. And and they are sort of accompanied to the ring both by Xavier Woods. And his trombone, Jessica. Oh, is that Sorry, these, and his those, trombone, did you say? And his that, trombone, um, Jessica. It's those guys. Yes. Jessica is a character all herself. Well, sorry, Jessica 2. Uh, the first Jessica sadly is deceased, having been snapped in half. Oh. Bloody hell. I can't remember who did that, but yeah, it was one of their opponents was pissed off with the trombone and snapped it in half. One, I'm impressive to break a trombone in half, because yeah. that's brass. Two, I'm sorry, is this a sentient instrument? No, yes, it's <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's not See, I love it when it's it just, goes It's mental. just personified. It's, it's anthropomorphized. Amazing. Anyway, um, the New Day are... Uh, they focus on the power of positivity. Nice. Um, they, they preach the power of positivity, and they are unicorns. <laughs> they are rare and magical beings, um, and they wear their unicorn horns to the ring. <laughs> um, they also recently got a massive pop from the crowd for unveiling Bootio cereal. <laughs> what? Bootio. you got to eat your Bootios. I definitely want a box of Bootios. <laughs> <laughs> they are... I mean, there was a thing in the ring where Edge and Christian were interviewing them and talking about how they recognised the gimmick. You remember Edge and Christian when they were the ridiculous jokesters? Oh, God, yes. It was wonderful. They were the absolute dweebiest dweebs that ever dweebed dweeb. And basically, New Day are that for the modern generation. They're ridiculous. They're openly just mucking about, having hilarious laughs. Um, oh, actually, no, Xavier Woods doesn't just manage them. Uh, yes, New Day operate under the Freebirds rule, which is appropriate as the fabulous Freebirds are going into the Hall of Fame this year. All three of them are tag champions. So any, any they can sort any of cycle each other out. Them, and- yeah, 
any yeah. two of them can represent the team at any time. But yeah, they are they're jokesters. Um, they they play the trombone. Sorry, Francesca, not Jessica. Ah, oh, I got the name wrong. Um, the thing is, he largely only plays one note. <laughs> which is quite easy with a trombone which is quite easy with a trombone um, rhythmically uh, uh, to encourage the chant new day rocks new day rocks um, so it'll just be burp, burp, burp. <laughs> <laughs> which, which gets annoying and that's the point uh, <laughs> um, they, the, when they were wrestling in the UK they quite enjoyed visiting Bootyham or Birmingham as we'd call it uh, and when they visited Baltimore, they were delighted to be in Bootymore. Uh, they they like booty. Booty is a word that they really enjoy. Um, hence the booty. So, so, yeah. So <laughs> they're just incredibly over because they are clearly having fun, and all three of them are really talented. Like they're really good in ring. Oh yeah, they've got great chemistry, and they've got a ridiculous gimmick <laughs> so they're perfect right now they are white hot the fans love them it's hard to tell if they're faces or heels they just sort uh, of they're a force of nature they are indeed <laughs> yeah I'm looking forward to seeing them turn up because they will because they're too popular not to uh, we'll and against they'll, that team of Bo Dallas and whatnot. I don't know who they'll be against to be honest yeah. They need they, to have a move which is called the Unicorn Gore or something. <laughs> they have the Unicorn Stampede. Oh, that's, that's okay then. That's basically the same thing, right? Because the Gore was someone's finisher. Yeah. But I don't think Rhino would fit in the New Day. I don't he know. A He's got I a similar imagine. build to Big E. It's true, but I can't <laughs> imagine hitting a Rhino doing a happy fun time gimmick. The Sometimes. Unicorn Stampede is actually really horrible. You know, um... Because, right, wrestling pretends to have rules. <laughs> yes, so a lot right. of the moves are sort of governed by those rules. Yeah. And one of those rules is if someone is in the ropes, um, you have to lay off them after a certain number of seconds. Uh, you're not allowed to just back them into the ropes and keep beating on them or back them into the corner and keep beating on them. Hence the 10 count punches in the turnbuckle or stomps or in, in the uh, corner just lasting for a few seconds. Yeah. Now, the Unicorn Stampede is predicated on the fact that uh, if you put them in your corner in a tag match and you stamp on them for four seconds, then tag your partner in and they get in, that partner then has another four seconds. Oh, no. After which they can tag you back in, giving you another four seconds. Yeah. Oh, so they just go back and forth and continuously and just stomp someone in the corner for as long as they can manage it. That, Stampede that's in the gorge, that, motherfucker. That's a tactic from like the video game. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Xavier Woods, the, the, the most commonly the manager, is mm. actually a huge gamer. <laughs> ah, so he may have literally lifted it from that. <laughs> you know what worked last Amazing. time once? Oh, God. That's amazing. So yeah, I need to watch this because that sounds just delightful. Yeah, if if the new day turn up, the the women's match is amazing. The street fight is incredible. Uh, Shane versus Taker is a must watch. If the new day turn up, like everything on this card is looking really watchable, apart from the title match. 
And I know The Rock's going to appear. Uh. I know Austin's going to appear. Rumours are Mick Foley will appear. Because, of course, these are the faces that get rolled out every year. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Mick, Mick's not been there for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently, he turned up on Raw. He's turning up on Raw today, apparently. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Oh, wow. <laughs> Bless him. We love Mick Foley. Yeah, Mick Foley's great. Um, the Rock is back again. Was he there last year? Uh, he was there last year. He had a promo with Ronda oh, Rousey. Oh, Ronda Rousey. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's cool. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns up in Roman Reigns' corner for the championship match because. Cousins. Because, yeah, there's the family connection, yeah. and they yeah, know yeah. that Roman Reigns is going to get booed out of the building, but they really want to push him. Yeah. But you can't boo The Rock. You can't boo The Rock. I mean, you can. Well, you, you certainly could when he was back in the Nation of Domination, he was Rocky Movia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but these days, you can't boo The Rock. So I think they're going to put him in Reigns' corner, cheering him on, uh, to try and get the fans on his side, which, let's face it, won't work. People will be cheering The Rock. Yeah. I'm still happy he goes there as well. It's, it's like, I'm happy he comes back because, yeah. like, let's face it, the amount of money, he's like one of the most highest paid people in Hollywood now. He, didn't, he doesn't have to, but he does. And I like that he does that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unfortunately for Roman Reigns, it is going to be like bringing out a cute little puppy dog. Yeah. It's like the, tr- the crowd are going to go, yay, cute little puppy dog. But the moment you put it away, they're not going to like you for showing them the puppy dog. <laughs> give us the, the puppy, puppy back. Give hey? us the puppy back. Yeah, bring the puppy back. Just, just, just well, instead of this match, we'll just have The Rock do a promo for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, he can, <laughs> he can do that. Easy. So yeah, that's, uh, that's WrestleMania coming soon. And there will be other matches now. yet to be announced. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... Obviously, when this airs, we'll uh, we'll be very very near it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm we'll a, I'm actually really show. excited about that. We could do a review show or something of it. We could do results, maybe. We yeah. could we could devote a section of a show to the results. What did we, we watch this week? Uh, WrestleMania. 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 Yeah. Wrestling. I, I think I'm. If you guys watch it, I'm going to be really interested to get your take on it. Oh yeah. Especially I think we should all make an effort to watch it, and then we can talk about it. Not for a whole episode, but as a preamble to no. the show. Yeah. Sure, I mean, I haven't watched it for a year. Like I say, yeah, me too. Like, I mean, I only really ever pick up the WrestleMania, so but I do make a point of watching it. I am going to try, so, and, yeah, get into the wrestling now by watching Lucha Underground. Um, uh, I need to watch that. Lucha Underground, which is such an amazing concept for a show. It's brilliant. Oh, the that's basic Sonic concept for Lucha yeah. Underground. <laughs> yeah. the, the basic so, concept yeah. for Lucha Underground, as I understand it is that whereas different wrestling promotions over the years have, to a greater or lesser degree, accepted this is made up so it can be silly, Lucia Underground have gone, we're a TV show. We don't have to be vaguely realistic. Yep. So they have characters who are from the future. Or (laughs) dragons. Yep. So they've just gone... Why not? Why not just be the most insane, over-the-top? It's a different way of competing with UFC and MMA. Yeah. Is going... It, that... Yes? Sorry, I was just going to say, that genuinely piques my interest. Like, I've always said, 
Like, look, you've had the Undertaker and Kane and these creatures that these guys that have some kind of supernatural kind of quality oh, to them. Why not take it to the next it's, level? Let's have robots. It gets even better because right, it, like WWE and TNA and all that. They're they're pe- the people running the business mm. are on screen. The people running the business, your Vince McMahon's, your Dixie Carters. They are still they're actually the people running the show. Um, Paul Heyman in ECW was the guy running the show and was also on camera. Yeah. Lucha Underground, it's a sort of collaborative TV show. Mm. So the owner of the company, inverted commas, is Dario Cueto, who is an actor. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a, a Spanish businessman whose father gave him a loan, I believe, to, to, buy, <laughs> to start a company. And so what he did was he started a combat company in Mexico. <laughs> he starts to, yeah. a combat company. Because, is that a thing? He has a great love of tradition and violence. <laughs> uh, because he wants to capture the, the notice of the Aztec gods once again. So what? he has built not he has built not an arena, not not a not a business, not a not a not like a a, a ring. He has built a temple. It is his Aztec temple. <laughs> yeah. With a, with, a, with a big seal in the center of the ring and a camera facing straight down from the roof, directly down onto the seal. And all of the matches are essentially a Mortal Kombat-esque bloodbath to, to gain the attention of the Dark Gods. This is incredible. It has seasons. They've just finished season one where various people were given um, uh, medallions, Aztec gold medallions, to show that they have the favour of the gods, and they're, they're fighting each other for Oh them. my god. <laughs> you have, yep, there's a dragon, there's a guy from the future with rocket boots, um, and I love the fact that his office is not in the back somewhere, it's at ringside, with, with boarded up glass windows, so there have been points where people have just been thrown through the window of his office, and are hanging there on the windowsill, slumped over his desk, as he watches on the phone, pauses, looking at them, and says, I will have to call you back. <laughs> puts the phone down and pours himself a whiskey and watches the match, cackling, I adore violence. This is amazing. <laughs> All we it's need now such is a great the concept. world we have the world end, and then that's all that's left. When <laughs> <laughs> one of the alien species arrives to investigate humanity, that's what they see. Yeah, I'll have that's to, incredible. I'll have to, and basically, it's now also like a, a realm for like a whole bunch of old WWE guys to turn up. Like uh, Alberto Del Rio turned up there. Um, that's so awesome. John, uh, John Morrison turned up there. Is Johnny Ray Mundo. Mysterio is there? Ray Mysterio is there. I think Lita's there now as well. Because Ray, Ray Mysterio is perfect. Yeah, we've <laughs> got um, uh, like Sean Devari, Hernandez. Um, uh, Conan's there. That's a yep. bit weird. They're getting great talent for it. Oh, do you know who the um, do you know who the uh, uh, commentators are, Simon? I I know that one of them is Vampiro. One of them is Vampiro. The other one's Matt Striker. What the fuck? Yeah, right? <laughs> what is Matt Striker doing there? <laughs> it's Matt Stryker and Vampiro. What the shit is that combination? I, mean, I understand love- Vampiro being there. That makes perfect sense. Mexican, yeah. But, but Matt, Matt Stryker? Stryker? Yeah. They're just making this kind of weird cake mixture. They're just throwing all kinds of weird of shit together and seeing what madness. happens. Yeah. You've got Eva Lee in there, who's <laughs> a brilliant, brilliant uh, female luchador. There's loads Eva of great Lee's in- Yes, she's great. I know they've got uh, Melissa Anderson as well. Yeah, um, I forget what his name is. They've got a guy on there by the name of Van Helico, who's a, a South African wrestler. Um, and he's 
incredible, like doing a, a run across the roof of the uh, boss's office to deliver a sort of cage height drop kick to a man on the ladder. Yes. That was quite impressive. It's a lot of high flying stunts, some brilliant camera work because it's built as a TV show, it's built as a TV drama. Mm. And includes things like a dragon called Drago and a man with rocket boots from the future who has yes, come to has debuted. Yeah, so oh, I really sweet. need to catch up if my favourite women's wrestler of all time is now in it. <laughs> all they need now is a sentient trombone. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have come full circle. Or has yeah, she? I don't know, but uh, I like the idea of Lita being in it. Yeah. I'm Amazing. not sure if or she maybe has. We should... No, I don't think she has, but she should. She should, yeah. I mean, absolutely. The thing is, it's, it is a Mortal Kombat esque TV show. If you like Mortal Kombat, there you go. You've even got your <laughs> evil Shang Tsung esque. Oh my god, running that's so everything. cool! I think we should do a World One stage for an expose on this whole. Once people on gone and watched it, video. yeah, yeah, I think yeah. So. that'd be amazing. Sweet. So yeah, um, yeah. wrestling. Razzles. The wrestling. We'll come back Razzle. to this at some point. We will. We will be talking about WrestleMania once it is over. Yep. But for now, you have been listening to World One Stage One. I have been El Simon. I have been the phenomenal one, Jack. I have been El Spectacular Roberto. And I have been the Irish. <laughs> wow. The Celtic warrior, surely. <laughs> Definitely the Celtic warrior. All Celtic the warrior. Irish on that. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Ciao.